Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go, the inaugural roundtable. That's right, sitting down with the co-host of Offside Hockey Talk, now Kyle Outridge, also sitting with Jen, and I always mess this up, Shafiro? Shefro. Shefro, see? I keep practicing in my head and I practice it wrong. See, there we go. Sitting down with these two awesome people, going to talk some hockey, got some topics to get to. Obviously, we got real hockey within 24 hours. How are we feeling about hockey coming back, Mr. Outridge? Oh, man. Well, first, uh, excited to get going here with Offside, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with uh, the both of you. Um, I'm pumped, man. Hockey needs to be back on my TV, uh, watching a little bit of the uh, the uh, breakdowns of the exhibition games and stuff has been really exciting, so I'm just pumped to get hockey back on the TV, get some action going, and uh, finally have some meaningful purpose to watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, how are you feeling about hockey coming back? I know we talked about this last week, I think it was, but... How are you feeling now that it's actually on the cusp and everything's starting to come together? I'm still pretty much in the same place I was last time we talked. Um, I'm, I'm going to watch it, of course, in hockey, but I'm still a little weirded out by it. It's uh, been happening with everything going on and stuff. It, it is a little bit weird. I mean, you look at the uh, the Marlins now in the MLB and, you know, 14 players testing positive and they're having to cancel their opener tonight. But I look at the MLB and I look at the way they're setting it all up with travel and going to different places. You're just begging for those things to happen. With the NHL, it seems they did it the best way possible. Uh, they're in a bubble. They're in Canada where the cases are you know, down and the curve is flattening. They are all locked into a small area where they can't go and no one can come in. So it seems a little bit better. Um, I'm wondering, do you guys think that, and Jen, I know your opinion on this. I'll ask you, Kyle. Do you think this finishes out, and do you think they're going to have a uh, Stanley Cup awarded? Uh, I think the way the NHL and um, the NBA are doing it, to be to be fair, are actually the best ways to do it. I think that uh, with, uh, with MLB, you see the traveling, how it's already causing issues with teams testing positive and all this other stuff, uh, now having to cancel games and then, uh, uh, you know, coincidentally now they have to, you know, they have to they have to cancel the New York game because Philly just played there. So uh, it creates a chain effect for all teams involved and uh, it's not fair. So I think the best, best way to go about this is the pub cities and the NHL, I think, will get to the end. Um, we will see a Stanley Cup raised at the end, uh, you know, whether you included with the asterisk whatever you want to do, um, but it will, I think that it will go through, and I think uh, it'll be uh, it'll be exciting once people get used to it and start seeing the hockey being played. Oh, for sure. Well, i got to ask you guys, I mean, obviously yesterday a little bit of a sad day here with the NHL and the Maple Leafs, Definitely. the passing of, uh, you know, the entertainer Eddie Shack, you know, clear the track. Um, everybody's got a, a memory of Eddie, and I'll say for me, he was my grandmother's favorite player, so she was always attached to him and everything he did here in Halifax when he came with the tour and all that kind of stuff. He always was putting a smile on people's face. He always had the energy, and he was always there to entertain. I'm wondering, uh, Jen, for you, if you have a favorite Eddie Shack moment. Um, probably the first time I met him at the Hockey Hall of Fame. I had to have been, oh man, 10 or 11, and uh, he... I think we went on a class trip or something. I can't remember specifically why we got there, but uh, he was so gracious. He, he stopped to talk to every single one of us, I remember, um, signing whatever we wanted. Uh, he, 
the energy that he had was something like it just like it grabbed you. You, you were just you kind of like walked to him in a sense. Um, and then I, I see him many times after that at the Hall of Fame, and it's just the same guy, always happy, always happy to be around people. Um, and man, did he love his hockey. So yeah, that's my memory of Mr. Shaq. <laughs> Not a bad one at all. Uh, Kyle, you got a, a favorite memory about Mr. Entertainer? Oh man, well, uh, mine was, you know, he was he was a little before my day, um, so I didn't get to see him in his prime, but I got to see him a fair bit at the uh, the Hall of Fame Classics and the uh, the alumni games back in the day when they used to hold them at the uh, the uh, now Scotia Bank Center. But the uh, uh, I remember meeting him in the hallway after one of those games and. Just the aura around this guy. I mean, he just walked with a swagger, even at his age. That was uh, was second to none. But I mean, just the kindest gentleman ever. Uh, you know, took the time to speak with everybody and uh, sharing stories and and just about the laugh. And I mean, how do you ever forget the hat? You know, and uh, <laughs> a, a staple and something you always recognized in a crowd. And uh, uh, I, I just always remember my dad always saying, you know, clear the track. Here comes Eddie Shack. So. Um, you know, we had to say it one last time for him on, on his uh, on his farewell. Uh, a very sad day for uh, for his family, of course, and his friends, but uh, Leaf Nation and the whole NHL uh, uh, family. So uh, definitely sad. Uh, I mean, uh, I remember I'll remember watching him fly down the ice, and they just literally clear out the way and let him run down the <laughs> ice with the puck. Yeah, it, it was just it was always fun to watch, and uh, you know, he always made it fun for the for the fans, and uh, he was just an entertainer for sure. So. Uh, definitely uh, a sad, a sad day, and, uh, and a big, big loss for the NHL family. No, definitely, and our, our thoughts and condolences go out to Eddie Shack's family and loved ones, and obviously everyone he's touched over the years. Um, never easy to lose somebody, especially you know someone like him who brought a smile to so many's faces. So again, uh, our condolences to the family of Eddie Shack. Yes, sir. But to move a little forward into something that's a little bit more pressing, front of mind. I brought this guys uh, this up to you guys in the chat the other day. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of NHL players. Look at Andre Kasha, Victor Hedman. Obviously, there's more. Um, just can't rattle them all off the top of my head. Uh, that are not traveling with teams to the bubbles. Um, obviously, we all know that there are preseason games about to happen. We also know that the Boston Bruins have already moved a game that they were supposed to play ahead by one day um, in their play-in round. I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts, and Jen, I'll get you to jump in on this one first, what your thoughts are about players who are not traveling with the team right now but are going to come to the bubble afterwards. Obviously, I think there is a four-day self-imposed quarantine they have to go through, but is that enough time? I know they can come back with test results in that time frame, but should they be allowed to come to the bubble after the fact? I thought everyone had to be in the bubble at the same time. That's the whole purpose of doing this. Yeah, no, I think that teams should have traveled together, players that decided not to. I'm not even sure why, clear why they didn't travel with the team. Um, I didn't really read much into that. You know, but all I you get is the unfit to play. That's all we keep getting. Really? Yeah, so there's no definitive thing. I mean, the NHL is not breaking down injuries or anything anymore. So I just, like I said, I don't think it's right that these guys are not coming to the bubble with their team. I think if you're not coming with them, then you shouldn't be on the Phase 4 roster. And that's not me being a Homer Maple Leaf fan, wanting Tampa to be without Hedman or the, you know, the Bruins to be without Pasta or Andre Kasha. I just want everything to go smooth as possible. And if they're not going to the bubble at the same time, I think it's a detriment. Yeah, I, I, I 
Yeah, no, I agree 100. Yeah, I I agree too. I mean, it's. It's a tough it's it's a tough one because I mean there's there's obviously you know the the aspect of personal reasons and and whatever that case may be but uh, I mean for all purposes of having the bubble and that whole protocol and that whole scenario um, I think it's it's unfair to the other guys and the other players and staff and that have left their families and their loved ones to go and and live in this bubble and, and be gone for a certain amount of time so. Uh, I definitely think there should be a penalty, um, you know, whatever, something like, you know, what they impose maybe for the All-Star game, you know, you have to miss a game or whatever, whatever the cost may be, but uh, I, I do think there should be a little bit of a penalty for the teams that, uh, that that don't have their full roster with them. I think there should be something, definitely. What do you think, Jen? Oh, absolutely. What was the, what was the reasoning for uh, Boston moving a game? Uh, they had, I think it was up to 12 players um, that were unfit to play. Obviously, we don't know if they had COVID. Um, obviously, Pasta was still in quarantine from returning, I think, from Europe. Um, so they moved that game forward to accommodate the Bruins with the players that were in, on the unfit-to-play tag. Um, so that would give them that extra day to, I guess, get up to snuff. But my thing is, you have a, a preseason game, so are you not playing that game? Are you not playing those players? Are you just going to ice a team just to go through the motions? I, I don't really get the, the ins and outs. There's not too much about it out there, other than the NHL coming out and saying they moved one game back a day and one game forward a day, and it was to accommodate the Bruins with those players. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense because, I mean, like you said before, if if these players are, are unfit to play or whatever whatever the whatever it is that's happening with them, they should, they should definitely be... Um, penalized for sorry for not uh, for not traveling with the team, and I think a harsher penalty should be like everybody's been waiting for so long for this, and you've got your teams all prepared. <clears throat> I, I just I, I just I, I guess we need more information before we can really make like, form an opinion on it. But I think that uh, it doesn't quite make sense in my head, anyways. <laughs> Well, I mean, we'll find out in the coming days what has to happen there and what's going to go on with these players. And maybe we see this throughout the tournament. Maybe everybody who ends up being in the hub, you end up seeing players just not being there because they're unfit to play. And you can deduce from that what you will, whether they have COVID or they're injured or this, that, the other. We know Zach Hyman took a shot off the foot, um, one of the, I guess, scrimmage games. And they couldn't even tell us that, you know, his foot was just hurt for whatever reason. All they could say is unfit to play. And that's the blanket thrown over every injury, cold, COVID, you name it. So we'll be sitting and wondering about a bunch of guys, I guess, if they exit a game or whatever it is. My question is, with everything being so closely together and a guy pops for COVID, Kyle, I'm wondering, will you see a player pulled off the ice or pulled out of a practice or whatever because he's popped positive and, you know, just yanked out of the game mid-game? Like we see with trades or pulled out for an injury because they might be traded, those kind of things. Do you see a player getting pulled out with a COVID positive? I, I honestly, I don't see them getting to a game with a with a positive result at all. Because I mean, we got to remember though, we're, they're doing like what three tests a day, four tests a day. Yep. I mean, you're getting you're getting tested every day four times. They're going to catch that before you get into a game. Getting pulled from a practice, you're definitely going to see that. Um, I think even even showing signs of symptoms, you'll see that. Uh, you might see that going into a game where, uh, you know, you'll get the roster, uh, an update of the roster and say, 
You know, like uh, Brad Marchand won't play because he's showing symptoms and they just want to quarantine him just to keep him away from the team. Um, you know, so I think you can get stuff like that. Uh, I don't think you'll see a player test, uh, like a test positive result come down by the time the player's on the ice. So I do think, uh, in all reality, the way that NHL has it set up and the way that they plan to do it with the multiple tests every day, um, they're going to catch it way beforehand. So um, I'm pretty sure we we shouldn't have to see that. But it is the NHL. It is this day and age. It is 2020. So who am I to say it couldn't happen and it won't happen at the end of the day, to be honest? <laughs> what do you think, Jen? Do you think they reach that point where a player gets yanked off the ice? Honestly, with the NHL, I have no clue. They, they, they could say that they pull a player, but what are they being honest with, with everything? But my question is, with all of this, if a player does catch on and is pulled out, are they removed from the bubble to quarantine somewhere else to keep them away from, like, the rest of the players that are, that are healthy? From my understanding, there- the players stay within the hotel they're in. Uh, with every, whatever bubble that is, they're just quarantined to their room until they can produce a negative test. Wow. Well, if, if the NHL enforces this, I'd be impressed. But, I mean, we won't know until it happens. That's very, very true. Well, we see right now with the, the players and teams moving into the hotels yesterday and basically getting into bubble life, the Toronto Maple Leafs were the last team to arrive at the Royal York in Toronto. Uh, Fashway late, of course, the team in town. Uh, but if you take a look at the digs, each floor looks like it's done up for the specific team. Uh, we got a sneak peek of the Toronto Maple Leafs floor today. I don't know if you guys seen those pictures, but it looks absolutely yep. beautiful. Um, it looks like the NHL and the teams are going as far as they can to make these players comfortable. Um, do you see these guys... You know, being able to stick this out mentally, or is it still going to be a hard grind with all the stuff that's being given to them? I, uh, I mean, they're they're hockey players. They they worked their whole lives for this, so it really depends on on how how bad they want to be here, right? Just like when they when they're on the ice. So I think uh, I think that we'll see everybody get through it. I mean, they're doing what they love. What do you think, Kyle? Oh, man. Well, like, at the end of the day, uh, it's it's back to a grind. I mean, these guys, this is a, these, these, this generation is a different breed. I mean, these guys can adapt pretty well. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's going to be tough. They're going to, you're going to have the guys that, that are going to have a hard time. Um, but, I mean, the way the schedule is designed and the way these guys are going to be playing, uh, being around each other, um, and, and I think after being away from each other for so long, it's not going to be as such a, Tense situation among each other around in in the in their bubble and having to be contained together. Uh, it'll be like coming back after an off season. You know, you guys get back together. Uh, you know, everybody's happy and excited. So I think I think we'll see uh, a pretty positive result. I think we're going to see uh, some pretty intense hockey because these guys got nothing else to focus on for the next uh, however long we go here. I think it'll be pretty exciting hockey. I think the guys will get through it. Um, but don't get me wrong. At the end of the day, it's still. The mental stress is going to be there, uh, missing families, missing people back home, wanting to get out, that stuff. Uh, but I think they're, they're going to be pr- pretty well suited to, to be able to uh, maintain a, a focus of hockey and uh, not, get a, not get lost in all that for too long. No, I don't think they'll get lost in it for too long. And I look at some of the players coming in, they were being asked, you know, what are you putting down for your duration? And a lot of the guys coming into Canada were saying, we're putting 70 days because we're going to be here for the entire cup run. So 
It's fun to see them. They're all getting in the mindset. You look at Seth Jones. He's already starting to chirp the Maple Leafs, you know, asking where's Robbie yeah. in, in reference to uh, to Nick Robertson, obviously, because all the hype around him. Um, wondering for you guys, obviously, this is going to be fun. Um, you know, these teams are going to be in the same hotel, constant uh, proximity to one another, being able to see each other multiple times and, you know, running into each other, whether it's the lobby or just out in the common areas when they're social distancing. Do you see the mind games? And we know hockey players are pranksters. Do we see that become more of a prevalent thing to try to get a one-upsmanship in a game against each other? I'll let you go first. I'm definitely... Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I think... First of all, I think it was, it's a terrible idea having having some of the teams put together because they've got common areas in, in, in the hotels, right? Um, but you just look at it like a tournament from from when when you were back as a kid playing hockey, right? All the teams were held up in the same hotel, you know, running to the same restaurants, whatever, whatever. Um, do I see pranks taking place? Uh, maybe, but mental warfare, a hundred percent. What do you think, Kyle? Well, definitely 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, they're NHL players, hockey players alone are, are pranksters. Uh, I, I definitely uh, I believe there will be some mind games going on off the ice that uh, we won't be uh, as privy to, but uh, it'll definitely be uh, entertaining to see how it takes shape on the ice uh, with that mental battle going on uh, when they're at their they're relaxing in, uh, in the common areas and stuff like that. Uh, I think it's going to have a different element. And, and, and like Jen said as well, I think... Uh, you know, it's going to be like going back to when you were a youngster playing playing hockey, playing and playing in tournaments. Uh, maybe not so many mini stick games going on in the hallways uh, as they're a little bit older and probably don't want that happening. But uh, it'll definitely be uh, a different aspect, and I think it'll it breed a little bit better hockey on the ice, uh, a little more intensity as well. So uh, I mean, it'll be a win-win for everybody if it does, and uh, I'm I'm just excited to see how how it all unfolds. Well, we've seen a lot of guys. Uh, we talk about mini stick hockey probably not happening. We've seen a boatload of guys going with guitars into both locations in Edmonton and Toronto. I'm going to ask you guys, give one from each city. Who do you think is the best guitar player in the hub in Toronto and the best guitar player over in Edmonton? I'll throw mine out first. I think Duchesne rocks it out in Edmonton, and I look over to Tyson Berry in Toronto. I'm wondering for yeah. you guys, who's got each? <laughs> I have no idea who plays the guitar. <laughs> I don't know what these guys do off the, off the ice. You know, I just follow what they do when they're on the ice. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was going to go with the Tyson Berry from the stories I've heard uh, from, from watching little Leaf clips. Uh, apparently he can rock it out on the guitar pretty well. Um, I Over in the other side, I don't know. Probably somebody like Big Joe or something like that. I don't even know. Maybe Brent Burns. One of those guys can probably rock out on the guitar pretty good too. So uh, that was Burns. He's not there. Yeah, those Burns boys aren't not, there. San Jose's not there, buddy. Come on, pay attention. Where you at? Oh uh, man, I've been sleeping. I've been working. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe one of those boys. So that's why I went with Duchesne. Obviously. Uh, he signed with Nashville because of his love of country music. Obviously, you see lots of pictures of him guitar. So I figured it'd be good. Um, there's a picture from Halloween of Freddie, uh, Freddie Anderson dressed up like Ed uh, Sheeran. He's got a guitar in his lap, but he said, no, 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 I don't play. It was just a picture, so don't get it twisted. So it was, it's fun to see those little things. And maybe we might get to see a little bit more personality out of these guys where there will be media. Every team has a social media person, so I'm sure there will be a lot of moments caught on camera. Um, but some things that have been caught on camera as of late 
is the uh, new digs inside the Scotiabank Arena. And, you know, you look at what's going on in the world and you look at the setup they have so far in both places. I'm wondering why the NHL has not put in a Black Lives Matter banner on the ice or on the boards. I know they're not finished yet, but I'm hoping they do take some sort of stance and do something for the league. I know the Maple Leafs did it themselves on the first day of camp. Um, wondering from both of your perspective, Jen, I'll let you go first on this one. Do you think the NHL needs to include something there? Um, not just as a token, but just to show the solidarity amongst the players and everything is happening in the world. Uh, don't hate me for this, but I hate politics and sport. Um, I, I just had a conversation actually on Twitter with someone over this, and it, it's not that these issues don't matter. I just feel like you, you, when you push something down, you, when you push people into things, they tend to like push it away, in a sense. Um, and I don't quite understand why hockey or professional sports have taken have taken to got a political um, agenda, what have you. Um, but I have, I, I mean, I, I do support any any good cause. I just, it's just, I just here for the hockey, you know. So I, uh, from my opinion and my opinion only, I I just don't I just don't see the point. However, um, I have seen plenty of different teams. Rocking Black Lives Matter t-shirts um, when they started going back to practice a few weeks ago. If throwing up a flag or a sign is going to make people feel better, then hey, I'm all for it. I just, uh, yeah, I'm just here for the hockey. I don't, I politics aspect that just kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Not that I'm against the issues, of course. Um, it just we we're losing, kind of taking away from the game. And, and adding all this extra stuff, and it becomes more of like it's less about the hockey, more about the entertainment aspect. So, yeah, that's my take on on it. Yeah, and I, I kind of follow I kind of follow that in a way too, Jen. I mean, uh, I mean, like, listen, Black Lives Matter. Uh, I'm I'm mixed race. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm like you know what I mean. So I'm I'm all for it. But like Jen said, hockey and this is supposed to be in a sense of distraction. Now, also let's let's not get ahead of ourselves and not thinking they might not have pop-up banners set up around the arena as well. We've only seen the pictures of, you know, the seats being covered, uh, you know, the outside of the arena, the, the, the sign being changed and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, they could have little little features of that. I mean, but I'm also with Jen in the sense of, like, you know, let the teams and the players express it. Let them use the platform. Let them... You know, don't put the opinion on everybody. I mean, at the end of the day, the NHL is a business, and they've supported this whole this whole movement since it started. Um, I mean, they've made steps, leaps and bounds compared to what they were f five years ago, uh, and and with it, with regards to these issues and and what we face today, and with racism, right? So, I mean, they have they have committees now. They have guys that are step that are stepping up and. Uh, Really taking a charge on this, and 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 players that have a voice and now have a have a way to you know communicate with people and and, and make these issues uh, you know hopefully a little better. If not, we can remove them hopefully one day forever, which would be amazing and a and a, and a huge blessing. But at, going back to you know what Jen was saying, 
I think at the same time, this is where hockey has to now focus on hockey, and uh, we have to get back to, you know, living our lives every day and learning to do this every day without having to have a banner posted or, a, you know, uh, as sad as it is to say a riot or, or all these, these bad things that go on and we see on the news, right? Uh, I think it's something that we have to take upon ourselves every day. I think it's something that players will continue to take upon themselves every day as a tight-knit community as they are. Um, and I think I do think the NHL will have some have some postings up about it. I don't see I don't see them going fully without it. But I'm not also surprised that they didn't make it the big focal point of everything. Uh, I think they're at the same point after COVID, after all this negativity. Let's get back to some kind of normalcy. Um, we can't have fans in the crowd, so let's cover it up and just uh, you know let's make it the best we can and and, and about the hockey. So uh, let's focus on hockey when it comes to hockey. But like Jen said. By no means are we uh, forgetting the, the major issues at hand here, but uh, at the same time, I'm kind of ready for a release and uh, a distraction altogether as well. So uh, it's tough. It's hard to talk about. Um, you know, I don't see, you know, people will take it for whatever it is, but at the end of the day, we all support, um, you know, the movement, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. Um, you know, all lives don't matter if black lives don't matter. You know, it's, it is what it is, and we'll live it, and we're going to continue to live it, but uh, let's let sports be sports, and uh, let's not mix politics and sports for too much longer. Well, it's time for sports to be sports and use it as a distraction, you know, get away from the COVID and just focus on something positive and exciting. I do hope the NHL does put a message out. But, Jen, I know you want to talk about the Arizona Coyotes, so let's jump into that for a moment as well. Deeper problem there in Arizona that we might not be aware of. Um, it's just the whole thing. It's, just, it's so messy. Like I, I can't even wrap my head around it. You just don't, you just don't, you don't bail on your team days before you're going to the playoffs. Unless... You were totally undermined, or uh, you know, maybe a player said, "I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to work with this guy. I don't want to be here. I want to be traded." Who knows? But it's it's got to be really, really huge. And there's obviously a lot of bad blood there. Oh yeah, when well, you look yeah. at the, uh, the statement from John Chayka and Kyle, I'll let you get into this in a sec. You know, talking about how much respect he has for Steve Sullivan, worked side by side with him for years. He didn't say anything, you know, too bad as of yet. And he said he will answer the questions in the coming days uh, of what's going on. Um, I guess the Coyotes are in damage control. Like I said, obviously going to the commissioner and trying to see maybe if they can put a muzzle on this or, you know, have Chayka stay with the team but not be a part of the team until his deal is done because he did sign a three-year extension. So, I don't know. But, Kyle, I'll let you chime in. Yeah, I it's... It's a it's a dicey one. Um, I've been reading a little bit into it since we've had our talk, and uh, I, I was uh, I was joking with Jen uh, the end of last night there, but you know it's Arizona, so why not? Let's just start this uh, this whole thing with a debacle to get it going. Uh, you know, such a good time for for Arizona fans as they they head into a, a postseason for the first time in what ten plus years or something like that. Um, you know, so it's going to be exciting for them, but uh, here it is with this uh, ugly divorce on the go. And I mean, it, it's it's if you got you got to look back. Like the, I read the I read the one article and a couple reports about how they uh, initially blocked him from being able to talk to another team that was interested, um, but then evidently they let the meeting go through, and uh, I guess a good offer was made, but. I don't understand with the contract extension why that would have been happening in the first place. So there's definitely a lot of unknowns. 
uh, definitely hard to make a one-sided judgment, but at the end of the day, what a miserable way to start your your playoff series and your your playoff season and a and a run at a potential cup in Arizona. So I'm not in, I'm not surprised the owners trying to get this covered up because it doesn't look good from either side as a PR side, and he's probably looking at it at the same time. Um, I mean, for for what it is, I mean. At the end of the day, we'll see. Like you know, when they when they when they release some more reports and we get some more comments. Uh, but I mean, it, it's it's ugly. I don't know which way to look. I, I mean, I feel I feel sorry for for Arizona and the Coyotes fans as a whole. To be honest, I'll say it like <laughs> this: the biggest concern for me as an organization for the Coyotes, when you look at things, is one name. You trade it for him. He is pretty much as close to a superstar next to Kessel that you have in Taylor Hall and you're trying to re-sign this guy and now all of a sudden you have this ugly divorce, the turmoil, the negative attention and everything happening while trying to sign this guy to a long-term deal potentially and you know any little thing could rock the boat for this guy who's looking for somewhere to play and win with stability and what is less stable than having a GM come in interim basis and not have any stability around the team going forward. So I look at it for Taylor Hall, and I look at it the Coyotes and say this is the worst, absolute worst time this could happen, not just for the playoffs, but in luring him to stay. Yeah. Oh, on the other... Go ahead, Jen. You just kind of, like, like, I kind of, like, dazed off there into, like, a soap opera idea. Like, I, I, I don't know... This- I love the drama that comes with the NHL. Um, but I was thinking, like, the is this an act? Like, is this something, is there, is there more to this? I don't know. Like, I'm thinking, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be thinking. No, no, see, you're right, though. The next act will be when John Chica signs that contract with another team and the NHL and the Coyotes say, no, you can't do that or you're not allowed to. And then it becomes a big drawn-out legal battle by X team that signs him against the Coyotes or whatever. Because apparently if he's quit, he's no longer a part of that organization, which we know the Coyotes is fighting for. So you're right, it is a soap opera, and there is going to be more chapters to be written in this soap opera. And like I said, it'll come in the form when he signs on the dotted line for another team, and we see what happens. But i got to say something. John Chica was the poster boy for the analytics community. Everybody swore by him. Lots of people were disciples of him or whatever you want to call them. And now all of a sudden people cannot distance themselves faster from a guy that has been dropped by the Coyotes. And I'm wondering what the turn of face is there and what's happening. Like why is this guy now, you know, basically alone on an island when he used to be one of the, uh, you know, the go-to guys for analytics? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I mean... That's a whole other issue within itself in, in sports. I mean, uh, the NHL has adapted the analytics a lot quicker than I think some other sports having still tried to do. Um, but at the same time, there's still those people in the background of the hockey world, of all sports worlds, um, that just think the eye is better than numbers and numbers will you know lie to you and whatever the their case is. Um, I'm, I'm all for analytics. I love it. Uh, I eat it up. I learn as much as I can about it. I do think it's the future and uh, the more precise way to look at things. Um, but at the same time, 
to put it all on that as that's going to be the motive and what it is, uh, I think there's a lot more going on, and I just think it's the owners who have the bigger platform and the bigger power push to, uh, you know, make this look like it's 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 on him. At the same time, Cheka, I mean, he's doing the right thing in my mind, just sitting quiet, you know, let them take their shots. I mean, he said what he had to say in his initial thing, and he said he'd say more later. Um, I think he's smart just stepping away, let them do what they're going to do, and then he, you know, he'll have his time. Uh, I think it's a very calculated way to look about it, and I think there's uh, a lot more to learn about his side of this before... Uh, before people get to make a full judgment. So um, I, at the end of the day, I just can't, like, you know, like, so it's just, it's an ugly mess. It just sucks. Um, it sucks for Arizona, for Coyote Strikes, for, like you said, Hall, for, for Kessel, for all of them. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, the uncertainty just doesn't help you when you're trying to get your mind focused on playing hockey. So um, it's just, it's a, a real crappy situation. <laughs> but, but who would want to work with this guy again? Think about it. Like, whatever the reason is, he's unstable. You don't just walk away from your team, regardless. Well, that's where I differ, because, I mean, there's... I mean, who knows what he was told behind closed doors? Like, who knows literally what he was told? Like, they're they're saying, well, we're going to sit you on an island and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be a nobody, we're just going to shelf you. Uh, We're just keeping you so they can't have you because you now have what we want and we're not going to have it. Then how does that, how is that his fault? But you're you know assuming I mean? that you're assuming it's that no, way. No, but we're assuming that they're right as well. Then, if if he's the one that's, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, I look at it as he's, you know, letting them take their shots. He's he's obviously got more to say. There's like Chayka's not just not walking away. He's not going to say anything more. Who's like, to say just, he's not the problem though? Is my point. No, he's not the problem. But who is the problem? Like you know what I mean? And that's where. You know, that's where it gets the uncertainty comes into to play. Where you know, is it is it the ownership of Arizona? Is it the management within that was surrounded? Chica? like who knows, right? Uh, it's just it's an ugly mess, and that's where I want to sit and just wait and see what else comes out before I say, well, this person, that person, or this person was you know the blame. Um, I mean, for for Hall and Kessel and these guys that are signing new deals, I probably would be looking elsewhere. To be honest, um, you know, I would. Why would I want to be a mixed uh, turmoil battle off the ice when I'm trying to battle on the ice when there's plenty of other options for for a guy like Hall to go play? So I mean, it's it's definitely ugly. I wouldn't want to be there. I wouldn't want to be a part of it. Either side, you're still going to have your doubts. So who do you really trust at the end of the day? So I fully agree. Who like you know who would want it? <laughs> there's there's a lot to look at and a lot to digest out of the situation. You look at the fact. I understand what you're saying, Jen. How do we know it's not John Chica that is, uh, you know, basically lit the match and walked away, you know, and he's the one to blame for the situation. But also, you look at the other hand. How do we know that it's not the Coyotes that have done something to John Chica where he just said, "Is enough is enough," and I'm walking away, you know? And maybe it was a boiling point or a tipping point. And we all know situations in our lives where we've just said, "You know what? Screw it. I'm walking away. I don't give a crap what the consequences are. I need to get out of this situation, away from everything." And I don't care what is said or what is done about me. I'm getting away from it. And maybe that is it. But like Kyle said, we have to find find out what is actual the story. What's the, what's the actual middle ground? Because obviously there's truth to both sides. And you have to figure out what the middle ground is, what the actual story is. And I'm sure it will all come out. Because like I said, the Coyotes are involving the commissioner. Obviously, Chaika said he's going to come out and say more things. So there will be more things shed the light. So right now, we will just say it is crazy that a GM would walk away from his team heading into the playoffs, and it is absolutely absurd that a team would release a press statement 
you know, basically bashing the guy, walking away, instead of just basically having a run-of-the-mill kind of statement that will gather more facts and will have more to say at a later date, which would have been the smart thing to do. But, hey, you know what? Like you said, it's a, it's a soap opera, so let's entertain and have a little fun before we go in. And look who we're talking about right now as well, right? We're talking about the Arizona Coyotes, a team that does not get a lot of fanfare other than when they're in the news for being bought, sold, bankrupt, or moving arenas. So it's just another I, I tale in the that, saga. I, I think that was my exact words to John last night. <laughs> it is Arizona. <laughs> it's just, it's just the, the thing that they go through, unfortunately. Until they move to Quebec, you know, that's what they'll be for forever. But we'll, we'll, uh. we'll get into one other thing here. I mean... Jen, you, you brought up last night the old, you know, basically chemistry versus analytics. And, you know, I'm a huge proponent of chemistry. You can have all of the great underlying numbers you want. You can have all the great stats. But if guys don't mesh, if personalities don't go well together, if there's egos clashing, it doesn't matter how many underlying stats you have, it's not going to come together the way that you think it will. And that's why they're always to talk about locker room guys or good fits or this player did so well walking in. You look at Jack Campbell with the Maple Leafs and how well not only did he embrace the new team, but they embraced him just because he's a bubbly bottle of energy, always smiling, always energetic. Everybody loves him. you know. And then Clifford on the other foot, he's a grizzled vet who went in and stood up for his teammates and fought, endeared himself a different way. So you look at the way those things come into the room, and that's an intangible that you can't measure on a stat chart. You can't measure chemistry. You can't me measure, you know, the camaraderie that goes on between the guys. And if that doesn't happen, like I said just a moment ago, none of the underlying stats, none of your analytics will mean anything if the guys can't stand each other to play together. Yeah, for me personally, I'm not into analytics at all. They're complete garbage to me for the most part because... Like you said, it, it comes down to chemistry. Like you can have players that don't get along, like you said, and that throws throws these these stats out the window. Take a goalie for example; he could have great numbers and then be traded to a different team and not be putting up the same numbers because it really it has to do with what he's got in front of him, the players, the team he has in front of him. Um, for me, I think the most important thing when it comes to hockey, winning games, success, everything is chemistry all the way. Team building exercises should be done. If there if there's egos, if there's problems with egos, there should be having those worked out, finding resolutions. For every problem, there's multiple solutions. Um, without chemistry, you're going to have a team that's you know unsuccessful, right? They're not going to be they're not going to be fluid on the ice. It's like think about like the first game back for every team after the summer break. Everyone's kind of like you know a little slower. They're not fully up to up to speed, they're they're awkward. I wrote about the Leafs actually. I was at their home opener a couple of days ago, or a couple of days ago, funny years ago, and it's like they they lacked a, a direction, and a, it, I felt that it was due to um, on ice communication, like it was just wasn't fluid. You know what I mean? So, um, for, like for me, and especially as a coach, chemistry is number one. It will always be number one because you can't fake it. Right, so numbers. I mean, they're they're fine and all, but they just I don't think they belong in hockey. Well, you know, 
I'm a big proponent of, of both. I like chemistry. I know chemistry is huge. And like I just said, if you don't have the chemistry, the underlying numbers really won't prevail. And we've seen it. You look at a guy like Ryan O'Reilly in, in Buffalo, great numbers. But unfortunately, the team around him was no good. So obviously, it drags him down. He goes to a team like St. Louis, excels because, again, like you just said, Jen, the team around him, the chemistry, the atmosphere, everything. But I look at numbers and I look at analytics. There is a place for them. It does tell you things about players. It does allow you to see when players do tail off. And we're starting to learn things. You know, starting to see different things, different trends, and they are becoming more prevalent in helping players. But again, I always go back to like what you just said. If you don't have the chemistry, you can have all the best numbers in the world, like a Ryan O'Reilly in Buffalo, and it does not jive, and the jive turkey won't dance for you. So I know Kyle wants to chime in here, so go ahead, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 like I said earlier, I'm, I'm big into analytics. I love analytics, but at the same time, I'm still a firm believer that, you know, you must have chemistry within the room, um, within place. Now, I can sit here all day and say, well, they get paid millions of dollars to do a job, and I have to go to a job, and I don't like everybody at the job, but I still might do my job to the best of my ability. Now, yes, we all love to believe that's what happens in a real world, perfect world. That's what's going to happen. These guys are going to show up. They're going to put their egos aside, and they're going to go out there and play the best hockey every night in and out. That never happens, and it's not going to happen. We're human. Um, people are going to, you know, tensions are going to grow. People are going to get annoyed, whatever the case is, whatever it is. Um, that's where I find the EMs and, and those guys get paid their big bang for their bucks is to find that. That's your job is to find that. Find that chemistry that works within these numbers and the players that will work within these restraints. And, you know, that's where you see the teams like a Tampa Bay, like a Boston. Like, I mean, how many, like, outside of Boston, how many people like players on Boston? Nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's very few that, like, you know, like, that's my favorite player. Like, you know, you, you, they're just, they're such a good team, you almost hate them. You know what I mean? I like, I like, I like quite a few players on the Bruins. Okay, well, I'm not speaking for everybody. I'm speaking for most of the Leaf Station. Leave yeah. me alone. Listen, listen, we're a little Leaf-centric, a little Leaf-heavy on this podcast. I'm trying to get a little bandwagon going here before the, before the playoffs started. Get a little hate. Listen, um, Jen, no, Jen likes a lot of the different teams. She, she's in with the Sharks, and she's in with the uh, – she don't mind the Bruins. And what was the other team you didn't mind? Um, was it the Kings? Oh, no, no, no. Shark fan that likes the Kings? Come on. Okay, penguins. well, come yeah. on now. Penguins, there it is. Listen. Okay. I don't think that's allowed. Listen, like, there you go. It was the Penguins, because I remember it was Crosby. It was your love of Crosby. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put it out there. Obviously, you love Cass and Tockett, so we know that. But you look at it. There's there's so many Boston Bruins players, and I will echo what you're saying, Kyle. I don't like Marshand. I don't like Tory Krug. I hate the giraffe named Zidane Chara. You know, right? just, I, I don't it, as a Leafs fan though. As a Leafs fan, if those players no. were to, if they were to come to my team, I would embrace them. Well, you would love them. You but right now, them. I gotta exactly. hate them. I gotta absolutely listen. Right? I I hated Jeremy Roenick when he scored that goal in the playoffs against the Leafs so many years ago. Back when I was in high school, he broke my heart, <laughs> and I will never forgive the man. I've never met him, never shook his hand. But if I were to see him, I would yell at him because he broke my heart in high school, and that's it. Yeah, and I won't forgive him. I never will. So, Jr., if you ever, ever come across this and listen to it, I will never, never forgive you. Never. Oh, man, I love it. <laughs> but it's just and those things. It's I always built in. Like you just said, you, don't, you know, a, a San Jose Sharks fan liking the L.A. Kings, it doesn't happen. I'm sure there's a player or two out there that you can name off the top of your head that you're like, hey, 
I don't like that player, or that player did us wrong at one point, no thank you. Oh, I'm not over the 2014 reverse sweep. I'm still angry about that. There you go. I'm not over Dustin Brown taking off, taking out Flash Hurdle. Like, I, I, I'm like you, I, I hold on to things. You see, oh, man. Listen, oh. Jeremy Roenick's like almost 20 years, no, 20 plus years in the making. So, you know, like, I, I hope I meet him one day and just bit, walk I away. There's too many of those moments. Like, I mean, you could go all the way back to the back when I remember, you know, 93, you know, you got, you got all those years, uh, you know, the Listen, coming close, you, the heartbreak, watching all the turmoil, everything over the years. I mean, and now we're here and we're still doing the same thing. So there's so many of those moments to hold, and I think that's why I hate almost every other team in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're, we're you, you've all done it. You've all done it to us at one point or another, and, and in some sort of way, whether you were an existing <laughs> franchise move, whatever. We've been crucified by almost everybody, so it just sucks. <laughs> yeah, listen, every team in the NHL has something on the Leafs, but we're sitting here on the eve of a play or a preseason play-in game, and we're talking about how much we've lost. I mean, how much negative juju are we throwing out there now? I mean, Jesus. Oh. I'm talking about Ronick. You're talking about Frazier. She's talking about Dustin Brown. I mean, it's just, you know what I mean? It's all, let's let's hope that there's some good positivity coming for the playoffs, boys and girls, because this is absolutely fun. Guys, this is a, this has been a great round table to start it off, kick it off offside yeah. style. Um, obviously, guys and gals who are listening, we will be back with this round table style every Monday. And when Jen gets free in September, hopefully a little bit more. And um, yeah. Wednesdays and thir- or Wednesdays and Fridays, me and Kyle will be hashing out the rest of the week, and we'll bring it back yes, to the week sir. that was on Mondays again. So, Jen, thank you for the debut roundtable episode. Kyle, same to you. Where can everybody yes, find sir, you? you? Jen, go ahead. Uh, you mean on Twitter? Yeah, where can they find you on Twitter? <laughs> I don't mean go find uh, you or your ice cream truck or anything. Yeah, I'm like, um, my address is. No, uh, <laughs> send money. <laughs> um, she was authority. Uh, yeah, no with just the letter W. There we have and it, so, Mr. Outridge. Uh, you can find me at Kyle underscore Outridge. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter and uh, all my other socials are under the same. So, uh, look forward to chatting more with you there, Jim. Yes, sir. And Jen, we'll talk to you soon again. As you heard, that was Kyle and Jen. That's right, the new co-host on Monday for the Roundtable. Kyle will be joining me on Wednesdays and Fridays. The show is proudly brought to you by Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. If you need your home spray foamed, check out msfi.ca today. And, of course, Highland Customs is... Of course, Highland Custom Builders, your vision, built custom, and NBKO, your apparel and graphic design needs all in one spot. Be sure to check it out. All right, take her easy.